Everybody, 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 drop your box. Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. Our guest today became a fan favorite contestant when she first appeared on Survivor's fourth season, Marquesas. Initially an outsider of the Row 2 tribe, Kathy survived the early game by helping her team to victory in the first three immunity challenges and survived the swap by staying Row 2 strong with her original tribe mates, Pascal and Nalia. At the merge, Rotu was in the majority and took advantage of this to eliminate Boston Rob Mariano before he even had the chance to make the jury. However, a majority within the majority revealed itself on day 24 when the Rotu four comprised of John, Rob, Tammy, and Zoe openly revealed their pecking order at the Coconut Chop Reward Challenge. As a result, a new alliance was formed when Kathy, Nalia, and Pascal joined with the original Mara Amu's Sean and Vesepia to blindside John Carroll, overthrowing a dominant alliance for the first time in Survivor history, a move that would change the game forever. Together, this new alliance systematically eliminated the remainder of the Row 2 4. At the final five, Kathy found herself in the middle of two pairs Nalia and Pascal on one side, and Sean and Vesepia on the other. Kathy cast the deciding vote that sent Sean to the jury. At the final four immunity challenge, Kathy made a final two deal with Vesepia that resulted in a deadlock tie and the first ever rock draw tiebreaker, which sent Pascal home with a purple rock. At a grueling final immunity challenge, Vesepia struck a new final two deal with Nalia and stepped down, handing Nalia the win. Nalia kept true to her promise and cast the only vote that sent Kathy to the jury on day 38. At the final tribal council, Kathy cast one of three votes for Nalia to win, though Vesepia ultimately took home the title of sole survivor and the million dollar prize. Four seasons later, Kathy would return for Survivor All-Stars. Once again, Kathy enjoyed an early streak of immunity wins on the Mogo Mogo tribe. Forming a close bond and alliance with Lex, Kathy helped to send home former winners Richard Hatch and Ethan Zahn. When a swap landed Amber on their tribe, it seemed like they had an easy target, but Lex made a promise to Boston Rob to protect Amber, so he and Kathy sent Jerry home next. When the tribes merged on day 26, Kathy won the first individual immunity challenge, and she learned that Rob was planning on betraying his deal with Lex. Though she considered giving up her immunity necklace, she ultimately kept it and watched as the rest of the tribe sent Lex to the jury. At the next tribal council on day 28, Kathy was voted out and sent to the jury herself. On day 39, Kathy gave one of the most memorable final tribal council speeches, admonishing Rob and Amber for manipulating their friends and playing a heartless game to get to the end. She cast her jury vote for Rob, and although Amber won Survivor All-Stars, Rob proposed and, well, the rest is history. Kathy Vavrick O'Brien is the first contestant to win individual immunity in two separate seasons. She is the first woman to finish in third place. She is also the first contestant to voluntarily urinate on another tribe mate. And for longtime listeners of Drop Your Buffs, you know that she has been our dream guest since day one. It's surreal to be welcoming this genuine legend and icon of Survivor to the podcast. Welcome, Kathy. 
Oh my God. <laughs> what an intro. I need that recorded <laughs> and send it to my family because they're going to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was funny. I didn't realize I was first in a couple things. That's funny. I didn't know that. Yeah, you were. You absolutely are. Now, does it surprise you to hear that you are one of our most requested, if not our most requested guests on this podcast and someone that Sean and I have been wanting on from episode one? Yeah, I find that totally mind-blowing. I don't get that at all. Although I just got I just got five emails from people in um where where are we? Belarus and Poland that want oh that want to talk to me and I'm going, "What in Poland and Belarus?" So the show must be airing over there. So I I I was flattered by that. I'm flattered. I'm flattered that you guys, you know, wanted me on the show because it's so long ago, right? And that season, all those seasons so long ago, um, you know, are kind of slowly edited. It's different than the show now. So although I have fans saying we liked it the way it was, right? It's gotten too complicated. So and just so you know, before I want to make sure I make it known. And I know that Jeff doesn't like to hear this, but I can't believe they shortened the game to 26 days. Yeah. Seriously? Seriously? 38 days is so much harder. I'm sorry. Okay. That's all I had to say. I think you are uh, aligned with many of the sentiments voiced by fellow alumni from the earlier seasons and a lot of the fans. So I think you're in the majority on that one. Now, yeah. you are not one of those alumni who we see popping up on podcasts and at watch parties, which makes me super curious to know, what is your relationship like with Survivor, you know, almost two decades since you last played the game? Yeah, well, so I bow to the game, like bow, because I am enamored by the game. I am floored how different it is every time you play it. So, but the thing is, you know, I never stayed in touch with all the people doing podcasts, all the people that were, you know, having fundraisers or parties and whatnot. But, you know, I'm in Northern Vermont, right? I got a successful business. I like to travel. I like to be with my family. So it just wasn't in the mix. Now, if all of a sudden Lex called me, right, because I love Lex, uh, or I got a call from Pascal, you know, or somebody on the show and said, hey, let's get together and do this, or even Boston Rob, right? But, you know, I'm kind of out of the loop on it. So, you know, I, I just kind of faded out, but I love watching the show. I'm still into it. Hmm. Do people still recognize you from Survivor? Like when you're out and about, do people still recognize you and want to talk to you about the show? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't happen like it did before. You know, let's remember when we, our show, really sincerely, I remember always watching the Nielsen ratings during Survivor Marquesa because I would walk down a street in New York City and people go, Kathy, you are going to win. In New York City, people don't talk to you in New York City. I don't know where you guys are based, but no one talks. New York City. Okay. Oh, there you go. So I would walk down New York City. I know that Ethan had the same experience where people just come up to you and they go, oh my God, you're going to win. I was even in an elevator at Bergdorf Goodman's because I have a friend that was a fashion director there. And we're in an elevator with women that probably have $40 million in the bank, right? And it's quiet in this elevator. And then all of a sudden they look at me, these wealthy women, and they go, oh, Kathy, you're going to win. 
And I'm going, oh my God. So it is uncanny back then how many people. So now it happens like, uh, like just the other day I was at a bakery and I asked, you know, how much do I owe you? And all of a sudden this woman turned around and freaked out, right? Oh my God, it's Kathy from Survivor. <laughs> I went, oh my God, it is. <laughs> So we just laugh. And before you know it, everybody in this bakery is coming up asking me questions. So it happens. It doesn't happen that much anymore. Can you, taking us back, sort of, can you paint the picture for those that don't know of just how big this show was at the time? I mean, as listeners know, you were on some of the earliest seasons of this show. The ratings were 10 times what they are today. It was a show that was a cultural juggernaut that is very different than the way it exists today, where it has a very loyal fandom, but it's a lot more of a niche show than it was back when you were on. Yeah, totally different. And because I even checked the ratings, I think maybe a year ago, and I think their top numbers are like 11 million people watching. You know, it goes from eight to 12 million. And I remember talking to some of the producers because I flew back to L.A. afterwards just to understand what what am I what was I just on? Right. And I talked to the producers a lot and the and the CBS executives about, you know, so what's the scoop? As long as they get eight, uh, actually four to seven million viewers, they still bring in good revenue. Right. So back in my day, we were shocked. You know, at one point. We topped 38 million people were watching my show. I know that Borneo was grabbing the finale, grabbed more than the Super Bowl that year because it was such a phenom. But even our fourth season, which was Marquesa, that we were grabbing anywhere, it would dip to 28, up to 38 million. And that's how many people watch football, right? Which is a number one huge television show for viewership. So it was big. And I never found out exactly how much CBS was making per 30 second spot. I heard through the grapevine, it might've been 2 million bucks a 30 second episode. That has totally changed. You know, they're not getting as many people watching. And, and here's a great example. I remember I got a random phone call from a fan was getting him like mad when I was on that you know, after that show was airing. And it was a professor from Texas A&M University. He was watching that show like a hawk. And he said, Kathy, you are what we call a buffer in international relations. I go, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I said, you are a professor watching Survivor. There would be people like that watching sh the show. I don't know if that's happening anymore. Or I got a call from the CEO of Sony. Out of the blue, man. CEO of Sony sitting down in New York City in his penthouse and wanted to know about what I'm going to do next. I, and, you know, I don't think those types of viewers are still on it. They might be, but it was. It was a phenom, huge viewership. People stop you in the streets. And I think some, you know, the new people that are on the show probably have that happen when they're in their hometown. So it was wild. It was wild. Like even at the big, you know, people don't realize that um, on the Marquesa finale, CBS built a tiki that was the size of a three-story building in Central Park. And they had Rosie O'Donnell. We were all under this giant tiki in Central Park for the finale 
you know, that's so the finale show. Uh, my mother sat next to Donald Trump. I mean, what? Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, it was. It was a totally different scene. And then even uh, the parties afterwards. I feel bad for the contestants now because CBS doesn't do any of that. But we had madcap parties, huge events afterwards. I There's none of that now. Mm. So we're talking about the past, and, and before we get fully into the past, I do just want to start by touching down on the present, and can you give us and our listeners an update on what you've been up to? Oh, yeah. So, well, you know, <laughs> Survivor was rather exciting in my life, so right now I sell real estate, but I sell real estate, and I sell really unique pieces of real estate, and I think that came from the show a bit, from the people and clients that find me, but also what I love. So I might, I might sell 150 acres in the middle of the forest up here in Vermont, right? That might have an octagon dome building, you know, that some hippies were living in. So I'm selling really unique real estate and really unique people are finding us, especially after the pandemic, uh, because we were the only state in the nation, bingo, that had our COVID uh, we did the best. We had the first uh, state in the nation that had 80% of our kids vaccinated. So we now have this, um, you know, it, they're not coming in busloads, but we definitely have a new uh, population discovering our cool state. And then mm. I travel, I sell real estate, I hang with my family and friends, and I'm just enjoying life. I bike, I hike, I snowboard. Love that. Yeah. So let's go, let's go back to the past because you wind up on season four of this show, which uh, this is coming after Africa. It's coming after 9-11 when there was like a bit of a dip in reality TV. But, you know, Marquesas brings us back to the beach and uh, there was a big marketing campaign around that. Everybody was very excited and it was an incredible season. And so much of that had to do with you and how much fans fell in love with you. So how did you wind up on this season? Were you a fan? Were you, had you been watching the seasons before? Uh, did you apply? Did they reach out to you? I'd love to know how you wound up on Marquesas. Yeah, that's a good, yeah. good question. Um, I get it all the time. So, so here's the thing. I had never watched the show. And there was a woman in our office who's, who was watching it like Hawk, right? Watch Borneo. And, you know, uh, of course, there weren't too many seasons prior to ours, but had watched Borneo, loved it, watched um, Australia, loved it. And she came in one day and she said, Kathy, you would do really well on the show. I went, what show? <laughs> I went, Survivor? Oh, yeah. I think I heard about it. I think I turned it on at the finale of Borneo or something. And I said, you know, so I said, there's no way it's real. There is just no way. I know Hollywood. It's all a farce. So, so she said, no, 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 no. I want you to apply. And she pestered me to the end of like, honest to God, that application had to be in CVS in 48 hours. And finally she rolled in with it. I said, fine. We filled it out. I made this ridiculous video. I think I said in the video, I was talking to whoever was going to watch it. I said, just so you know, I think this is a total fake. I think you guys are filming this in a warehouse in New Jersey. And I said, and then I said, but I could use a million bucks. So let's get down to it. And I was laughing a lot in the video. And then I showed them, you know, back then I was in like really good shape. I said, check out my legs. I think I could really run fast. And I'm a big sailor, so I love the ocean. And then randomly, I walked into my boss's office and I said, hey, do you think I would do well on the show Survivor? And he turned around and he goes, what's that? 
<laughs> I said, I don't know, but I'm applying. So we threw everything in a FedEx envelope and on the way to FedEx, because we had to get it out there the next day, we stopped. I literally dug up worms. I dug up worms and we threw the worms. We cut them up. We threw dirt in there and grass. It was all in there with my application. <laughs> and so, so it, it, to me, it was a farce, a total farce. So Finally, I'm driving down this main road in Vermont and I get this call and it's very cryptic. It goes, Kathy O'Brien. I went, yes. They said, this is S-E-G. I went, S-E-G. <laughs> I said, does that have anything to do with the IRS? I said, who are you? And they said, it's the Survivor Entertainment Group. I went, are you kidding me? <laughs> They said you made the first round. And it's probably because, listen to me, I'm so vocal, right, and sarcastic. So I had to go down to New York. The first question he asked me was, so if somebody comes into your camp, remember, I do not know what the show is about. If somebody comes into your camp and steals your food, what would you do? I went, okay, so hmm, somebody's stealing my food. I said, I think I would give them one chance, and then I'd go steal their food. Duh. And, and so I swear I had three questions. They sent me home. I got another call. So back then what they would do is you would go through a series of interviews at CBS affiliates, and then they flew you out to LA. And I was in a hotel for almost eight days going through psych evaluations. I don't know if they do that anymore. They, they did psych evaluations. They did physical fitness tests. And then all of a sudden I'm like sick of this. It was right after 9-11. I want to go home. I had, I had a friend of mine that died in the towers. I, I went, what am I doing here? So I remember telling um, Les Moonves, who I, I didn't realize I was getting interviewed by the president of CBS. Uh, and then uh, the whole crew was there, right? Jeff Probst didn't know who he I didn't even know who he was. And they asked me, they said, I think it was Les Moonves. He said, so if you find one of the men attractive on your tribe, would you have sex with them? <laughs> the president of CBS television is asking me this question. I go, <laughs> I go, so this is what I said. And this is why I made the show. I just spoke my mind. I said, do I look like a 46 year old slut? <laughs> and everybody, they didn't say a word. I said, this is ridiculous. I said, I don't think I even want to be on the show. Uh, I don't get it. And then, all this time, there was there was a baby blue index card and a baby pink index card. Uh, well, actually, there were there were eight of them, eight blue ones, eight pink ones, and they were upside down with staples in them. And they said, "Well, do you know what these are?" And I go, "What? What? 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 I don't understand." They said, "Well, look at the cards." And then all of a sudden, they flipped one card over, and my photograph was there. And they said, "You made the show." And I'm going. The whole thing blew my mind. I went, "Well, what do I have time to talk to my family? Can I call my attorney?" <laughs> so they said, "You have to tell us in five minutes." So oh that's how that's how I got in the show. Wow. It was wild. Now, Kathy, you mentioned you hadn't seen seasons one through three. I'm curious, when you came back for All Stars several seasons later, yeah. at that point, had you retroactively watched the first seven seasons, or you still had not really seen the show outside of your season? I, I hadn't seen anything. But the thing is, when you're on that game, 
you don't need to watch anybody. So I knew what I was going to do when I came back. And I, I had a, uh, I found a corporate psychologist when I went back the second time, which I think was not in my favor. I diagnosed who I thought was coming back and I did a good job figuring it out. I, I got most of the players and we were in a, we were in my office and I had these huge white giant pieces of paper with their pictures on it, on who I thought was coming back. And we analyzed their psyche and who they were. Uh, and it helped me to a point, but what you have to do on survivor is you have to trust your gut. And if you know that you're going down and you got to be aware that you're going down, um, you need to come up with a plan. And I, I went pretty far, uh, with Lex but the thing is, I should have trusted my gut knowing that Rob and Amber were going to screw me over. But I just figured I could manipulate Mariano to keep us. I just figured I could, and I didn't. So so I analyzed it a little too much. The first show, I went on with reckless abandon, and I analyzed things as it hit me. And I, I felt what was happening around me a whole lot more on All-Stars. But you know what? Even Jeff Probst hated All-Stars. It was rainy. We were all in a bitchy mood. It wasn't the best episode. It wasn't the best series. Mm. In, an alternate, in an alternate reality, though, you would have successfully manipulated Rob and gone on to win that season. It's a reality I would like to live in. But yeah. let's yeah. go back to Marquesas before we get to All-Stars because Marquesas was the first season where castaways were given no food supplies. Right. The bugs were awful. The beaches were harsh. And I'm wondering what your memories are of the conditions on Marquesas. Yeah, no, they were brutal. Uh, yeah, it was bad. It was bad. So you knew it was bad. It was even bad on All-Stars when Colby on All-Stars was going, oh my God, I'm getting bitten. And believe me, I love Colby. But I went, what do you mean you're getting bitten? We all got bitten. <laughs> what? What? Well, in Australia, we didn't have any insects. I went, what? And so, so we all reminisce about Marquesa because the bugs were so bad. I even tell anybody, if you watch Naked and Afraid and they zoom on on people's bugs on their naked ass. I mean, that's really how bad the bugs were. So it was brutal. The bugs were bad. The cameraman hated the bugs. There was no food. We were on an awful beachhead that was just filled with wild boar poop. I won't say the bad word. And, and even those wild boars were taking a poop in our water source. You know what? The contestants get bottled water now, you know, they make it look like a fake, like a well, but it's really nice water. We had to boil that water that had, you know, wild boar poop in it. And it just wasn't, it wasn't healthy. But, uh, you know, it was brutal. Marquesa was hard uh, because of that. And the only kind of food we could find, even though you would look up in the trees and see breadfruit. Well, you know, okay, it's 60 feet up in the air. We lived on coconuts. And, you know, until we won, a, you know, Hawaiian sling harpoon. But, you know, do you know that coconut's a diuretic? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Running to the jungle. <laughs> so we made coconut every way possible. Every way. We burnt it. You know, we found a little pepper tree. We spiced it until our mouths were falling out. So it was just, it was rugged. Um, All Stars was totally different. 
And even, you know, what people don't understand is back then, you know, it was even new to the cameramen and the producers of, you know, how to handle everything. So, you know, it took us a while to get to tribal council. On All Stars, they picked us up at the beach in a Zodiac. No, no, no. In Marquesa, we had to swim to the Zodiac, which there's really creepy things out in the water. And it would take us 20 minutes to get the Zodiacs. And then they wouldn't take us to the beach in Marquesa. They dumped us and they wanted us to look wet and rotten when we got to the tribal. So they'd just dump us. We would have to swim in. Uh, and it was exhausting. They don't do that anymore. They they make it relatively easy for contestants to get to and from places. Yeah, there seems to be a much stronger focus on the game that's being played as opposed to the survival aspect, which was, yeah. was so prominent in those early seasons. Yeah, but don't get me wrong. I think everybody's floored, even because if you're not eating for seven days, that's hard to. Yeah. But you go 38 days. I remember the producer's by day 30, we're saying, can you guys just get up and do something? We said, we're dying. <laughs> so it is true. I mean, by that 32nd, 33rd, 34th day, you know, it's hard. You know, you are just dying. Of, you're so hungry. I'm sure they also cut it back to 26 days because those cameramen and the producers, it gets boring watching us die. <laughs> So I'm sure Jeff got sick of it. They went, oh, let's just cut it to 26 days. Oh, yeah. And then we'll just put all in all these ridiculous scenarios of bird cages. What? Anyway. <laughs> well, in those early days of Marquesas, you were labeled as emotional by a lot of your tribe mates. And I think a lot of the viewers sort of lab- labeled you that way as well. And yet that was also what was so endearing about you was you like really wore your heart on your sleeve in that season. We're such a great narrator for th- for that reason. But I was thinking about this because in this in this last season, Survivor 44, it was at the final tribal council where Carolyn talked about being an emotional player and yeah. how yeah. difficult that is to overcome in the game that uh, is, it's either you're strategic or you're emotional. Um, and Carolyn was trying to say you can be both. I, I would argue that you were both, especially in Marquesas. How did you feel about getting that label slapped onto? And was it, was it something that was a detriment to your game? Yeah. So here's, here's the thing. Uh, she is a riot and I totally love her, but I don't think I'm as much of a wing nut. So, <laughs> so I, you know, I mean, I think, I think I was playing a little differently, but in the beginning I was an emotional mess. I was, I, I was floored by these people not listening to me in the beginning I mean, they were labeling me as a bitch. But at the same time, I remember my tribe, we were very late making fire. You know, it took us almost two to three days. And I remember the producers coming to us going, man, we can't even start this game until you have water. So they made fire. I don't think they pointed this out enough in the show and waited to drink it until I got back from my interview. And that alone floored me. Like these people I don't know waited to drink because they knew I was really worried about getting dehydrated and getting sick. And I started weeping. There is a scene where I am, we're all hugging each other. It was a bonding moment, but I got very emotional crying, emotional when my kids showed up. And it was emotional because I learned a lot about myself. 
and uh, that I didn't know, you know, I had kind of a tough outer layer and these people were getting right through it. And I was showing them my soul and I, I couldn't stop. So, but at the same time, I was making some pretty serious intellectual game decisions. And that started happening midstream where I finally went, all right, I get this. And I also work in real estate where I'm around a lot of people. So I was starting to figure people out. So I was trying to tell Pascal and Aaliyah days earlier than when they flipped that we're screwed if we don't get together and get rid of that big, big giant tribe. And finally, that one coconut cutting challenge, you know, Pascal, who is an attorney, and he wasn't going to listen to me until he saw it, right? He needed proof in the pudding. And so once he saw his name getting chopped and mine and Aaliyah, he finally came over and we all, you know, went to the end. Yeah, well, I'm so glad that you brought that up because I think that that moment of voting out John Carroll after the coconut chopping challenge where they sort of reveal that this is the pecking order of the tribe and and yeah. we are this alliance that we see the, the, the sort of arrogance of we see ourselves as unbeatable that we can reveal yeah. this information. It's such a pivotal move. It's the first time in survivor history that a dominant alliance is overthrown and you're such a pivotal person in that vote in getting Nalia and Pascal to flip and, and joining up with Sean and Vesepia. Uh, do you think that that gets an, as much credit as it deserves? I mean, you've been watching the show, but I feel like a lot of the show's history is sort of downplayed nowadays and, and everything's the first time ever, the first time ever. Uh, but this really was the first time ever and it's a game-changing move. Do you feel that Marquesas and, and you in particular get the credit you deserve uh, for that oh, bit of strategy? No. I don't. <laughs> and you know what else I don't? The producers give me the credit, but I'm the first person in Survivor history that raised my hand at Final Tribal and did a negotiation with a player mm. at Tribal with, you know, with Vesepia because that hadn't happened, even though, okay, we've only had three seasons, right? But even after that, not enough people were like, hey, just a minute, <laughs> I'm changing my ideas at Tribal. So, no, I don't think I did. But at the same time, those producers at the end of the game came in. You know, I was lucky to stay in a beautiful cabin on a, they had a beautiful uh, boat out there. And they all came in. And I mean, there are a lot of producers, right? They came into my cute little cabin where I was freaking out because I had lost 40 pounds. I had lost a million dollars. I had a little PTSD. I was in my, you know, I was sleeping at night and I thought the little, a little, uh, you know, light that's on your phone or VCR was my, the flame and the fire going out. I thought it, I thought I was still in the jungle. Like I was having post-traumatic stress disorder, but those producers came in and they said, Kathy, man, it, some of the decisions and stuff you were doing out there, that's why we're going to make you a, a pivotal character. So they, they knew that I was turning the tides in places and, and, and making that big move against John. But you know what? That's when Survivor was naive, right? Those guys were so full of themselves, like we're going to take it to the end. And you still see some of that. But, you know, I think the players now are much more crafty. Uh, back then, those guys didn't even see it coming to them. They just didn't. 
Mm. Which is one of the things that I think made for such compelling television at the time was watching such bravada and ignorance and then watching it being taken down. Now, I want to talk about your deal with Vesepia, which she ended up breaking and making a deal with Nalia instead. She told us that she knew she didn't stand a a chance against you at Final Tribal, that that was her reason for breaking off ties with you. I'm wondering how you felt about things then. I mean, I can kind of guess how you felt about it then. But now, 20 years later, how do you look back at that move? And where do do you stand with uh, Vesepia now? Well, you know, I I wrote her a letter and then I burned it in my backyard because <laughs> <laughs> I had to get it off my chest. I was so pissed. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you know, you can't take something like that lying down, man. I brought her along. Uh, of course, I brought her along because I knew that the jury would give me the money over her. So, so. The thing about Vesepia is, you know, she was a quiet player and you can win doing that, you know, under the radar stuff. Um, I don't think it's, you know, it's not the best way to win, right? It's not like what the logo says, outwit, outplay, outsmart. But um, so so it it got to me. And, and, you know, I even remember Jeff said, when I fell off that challenge and then the next day we're going to tribal and I am not in the mood to be on the show anymore. Cause I just lost. Uh, but he said, Kathy, it's just the lesser of two evils. And so just vote for the lesser of the two. And I went, Oh, okay. Hmm. All right. So I could look at it that way. Uh, so I was still burned by it. Right. Because I did bring her along and, and here's what happens you guys in maybe the earlier shows. Remember the scene when Vesepi and I were at the top of that mountain? I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. that. So oh, yeah. talk about who wouldn't be emotional. I don't think they do that anymore. You know that walk? But, they don't. Okay. Uh, they got to bring it back. Because I got to tell you, do you know that they dropped us off in a helicopter, which they don't do that helicopter stuff anymore because it's too expensive. But we were blessed that we were brought around in helicopters. So we were on the edge of a mountain. And, you know, they just put that one runner from the helicopter there. And they said, can you just step out and get onto land? And I'm going, holy shit. And I'm like at the top of this little teeny peaked mountain, you know, the, the, the torches are lined up. And Vesepi and I are sitting there on a rock. And I'm going and quietly. She goes to me, let's go to the end together. I said, Vesepia, we're going to the end together. We talked about our families. It was raw emotion. We both started weeping a little bit, got up, did the walk. So so to, to, to get stabbed in the back after something like that, right, I questioned what this game was all about. And that's another piece. That's why I was emotional throughout the show, because is this a game or is this a little mirror of who we are? And I always would talk to Jeff and and Mark Burnett about that. Like, okay, it's a game to a point, but then there's there's it's gone. So the game at that point to me was gone. It was more about this emotional connection with these people who we were as human beings. Are we going to take each other down just for some money? That the fe- that the IRS is going to take almost sixty percent of it. So I had I had I was back and forth on it, right? 
but I like to win. And so when I fell off that challenge and these girls didn't even stay up there for another 60 seconds, like at least finish the challenge out. They said, oh, Kathy's gone. Let's get down. So, um, so that, that, that bothered me. That whole thing bothered me. But today I'm fine with it. Giuseppe and I talk. You know, I wrote her that letter and burned it. So I, I flushed it out of my system. <laughs> Good. Glad to hear that. I have a follow-up, though, because <laughs> because you talk about that challenge where you fell off. And, you know, very famously, Nalia said, you know, Kathy, watch your, watch your, watch your shirt. You're starting to show. Yeah. And then you fall off. Yeah. There's always been a question. There's always been a question in fans' minds. Did she yeah. do you dirty or did she not? No. No, she didn't. I'll tell you why. There's so many cameras out there, you guys. <sighs> They had a tent set up. CBS officials were in there. Everybody's watching this challenge. It went on for like, what, five hours? You know, we're looking over at them and they're looking at us. It was very bizarre. And, you know, there's one of those cameras that are on that, it's on that big lift above me. There's cameras below me. Jeff Probst just sat there. And, you know, I mean, if, if, if your fly was down, right? You'd have, and somebody said, hey, 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 flies down. You would immediately go, oh, so it's the same reaction. You know, all the stuff was looking at me for hours. And then she said, oh, my God, I think your boobs hanging out. And she was actually trying to be lovely. But but I, you know, we were tired. I think it was three and a half, four hours. I can't remember. And but the thing is, we were pretty high up. I think we were standing like four feet up. One leg was four, one was maybe six. I don't remember. And uh, so just getting slightly distracted, our our bones were starting to hurt because we were just in the solid stance. And uh, and so uh, I just I lost I, I just lost my concentration. Oh, my God. It was so annoying. But it was really hard to stay on that thing. We were all having a hard time staying on those poles. It was hard. Yeah. I remember counting the bugs beneath me just to get my mind off the pain. Okay, there's one ant, there's two ants. <laughs> Frick, it was so, and you know, it's middle of the night. They pull it, it gets dark. I think it was probably midnight when that was happening. We're exhausted. And I remember, Hungry. and I remember you were annoyed that Jeff was sitting there, weren't you? I was, because why was he standing next? He was sitting right under my ass. And um, you know what? But I kept moving my foot around so it wouldn't fall asleep. And he wanted to catch it because if my foot lifted, disqualified mm. and i think too it made for good camera because i was giving him some lip <laughs> so let's jump ahead to all stars as you'd mentioned you did not watch the series so you didn't really know people's gameplay but as you also mentioned you'd sort of studied them in advance in that studying who did you decide based off of you know the assumptions you'd made about these people who did you decide that you wanted to work with prior to arriving on the island for all stars now mind you you didn't you were guessing who you thought was going to be there yeah 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 i had most of the players down i but but only like 75% and i wasn't really studying the players to figure out who i was going to work with i was still in that mode of get into the game see what everybody's doing, you know, and, and I never did that. Oh, I'm going to be really friendly to everybody. I never did that. You know, I never faked it. So even on all stars, you know, uh, you know, you just gravitate to people that are thinking the like kind thoughts. Um, mm -hmm. and then, and then you work with other people and see where their mind is at. And Lex and I were a, a great duo. 
I mean, we could have won that thing if I hadn't brought Amber along. So, uh, because we were, we were good and people liked us. I remember even, you know, trying to convince that final five, I went, you guys are going to get clobbered, clobbered by these two. And they went, mm, you know, we really like Rob. We think Rob's going to take us to the end. You know, I'm going, oh my God. And as each one got picked off, you know, Lex and I are there, you know, drinking alcohol the Ponderosa, and then be coming off going, oh, damn it, damn it. And we said, what are you angry about? We told you. So so um, I didn't really study who I was going to be with. I was just working out with people that seemed to understand it. And Lex is brilliant, right? So I, Lex and I just really enjoyed working together. So there's always been this rumor, Kathy, that somebody smuggled matches into all stars and i've heard it was richard oh, of Hatch. Course did. okay tell yes. me this story oh my god you haven't heard this he stuck him in his ass <laughs> <laughs> no no this is the best story you guys in fact we should end this thing on this story okay ready ready here's a little round vial right it's about this long it was about this big around he had that up his asshole <laughs> so i don't know if you can air this on your podcast we can air anything we want okay okay so here's the gig <laughs> so all of a sudden you know the cameras are studying him right everybody's trying to make fire i'm there with my glasses trying to make fire and then and then he comes up to me i forget who he was with but he comes up to me and he goes he throws them at me i go what 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 are these he throws me that little vial. He goes, quick, hide these. The cameras are watching me. I brought matches. And I look at this vial and I go, well, what? And I go, so how did you get them on? And he goes, mm, you know how, Kathy. Oh, my <laughs> I God. I go, oh, my God. God. So, and now I am faced with this decision that now CBS is going to think I snuck them on. So I quickly throw him down my bra top. I go, Jesus. So, so then he walks away, cameramen come by, and I'm going, oh, my God. So now what do I do? So then I think somebody came back and said, I, it might have been Lex, and said, Jesus, do you have matches? I went, oh, yeah, I can't believe he brought matches up his asshole. <laughs> so so this, is, this is my big decision. Like, do I give him back to him? Is it going to, it definitely was going to be a problem if, if I gave him back to him and he did matches, people think I'm in alliance with him. And I had already worked up an alliance of women and we were going to get rid of them. So long story short, I go up and I go knock, knock on the producer's back and I go, can we go talk? So, and this one producer I really liked and we went in the jungle and I pulled him out and I went, <laughs> And he said, you know what? We thought he snuck matches because the cameraman at one point was panning and he saw it in this little teeny clip that he was trying to light them. And he goes, well, you know, if, if you want to rat on him, we're going to kick him out. I went, oh boy. And I said, this is what I need. I need a day to think about it. I hid them. We got back together the next day and I went, you know what? I'm giving them to you. And I don't want to be mentioned. I want a CVS official to hear this. And believe it or not, you guys, in the middle of a jungle, a CVS official walked out. 
<laughs> where, where was he? You know, and he's in nice clothes. He's in nice clothing. And so I go, I just wanted for the record that these were not my matches. I'm not getting kicked out and I'm giving them to this producer. That's it. Well, guess what? He never exposed it. They, I don't think they wanted Richard Hatch to be kicked off. Yeah. And at the big finale party, the producers came up and I was sitting, I was talking to Hatch about the whole game and he, he reached into his lapel and pulled out the vial. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh God. <laughs> and I had told Hatch all along that I threw him in the ocean and he looks at me and he goes, what? I went, sorry. Wow. Anyway, that's the story. I love that. Okay, we just have a couple more questions, if that's okay, before we let you go. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so obviously you played twice. You were one of the first all-stars to come back, and then we never saw you again on the show. I have to ask, were you ever asked back? Were you ever in the running to come back? Do you, would you come back? Oh, yeah. I would play that game in a heartbeat, and uh, I know what I would do. I'm not going to tell you either, but... Um, <laughs> They did call probably about three years, four years. No, it's five years now. And they were going to do a blood is thicker than water. Ah. Um, and I'm trying to remember what they opted for. And of course, my son and I, I we start training like fools, right? Swimming in the lake, swimming in the oceans, doing everything to get ready because now I'm older. Uh, and then all of a sudden they call a month later and they went, oh, Mark Burnett doesn't like that theme. We need to come up with something new. I went, darn it. So we had a chance, but then they pulled the rug out. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember what, what theme they went for, but that was mm. it. Now, we have some lore on this podcast where we've dreamed up what we're calling the legend season that's going to take place during season 50. And we've had some of some of your past cast members on the show, including Richard Hatch and Vesepia, um, some of whom are in for this legend season, some of whom are not. If this season were to play out, this 50th season that is like the all-starriest of the all-stars, and if you get the phone call asking you to be a part of it, are you in for the legend season? 50? What are we on now? 41. We're on, we're about to begin 45. Oh, okay. I can make it happen. <laughs> okay, great. Great. It's just around the corner. Just, yeah, no, it is. Hey, I still go to CrossFit, right? Yeah, I can do it. I can do it. So, um, yeah, it'd be fun. I don't know if I'm a legend, but I think it'd be fun to bring back some of the cast of characters that are so damn entertaining and should have won. I still think there should be a season of the people that really... They worked it, man. I should have won. Mm. And I think there are a lot of players like that. Who are your, just like off the top of your head, who do you consider the legends of Survivor? And I don't mean the the Robs and the Parvities, but just people like you're speaking to, people that should have won the game. Oh, my God. I can't rip those off right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'll definitely go and think about it because there's countless people that should have won that were smart and brilliant, you know, and got voted off right in that five, or three slot, right? Yeah. And and you know what? So much of Survivor's luck. <sighs> I remember on All Stars, you know, they divvy up the tribes randomly, you know, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, I'm on with somebody that can't bust through, you know, an obstacle course very well. It was just luck. And I think even now with 26 days and some of the stuff going on, there is luck involved. Yeah, totally. And I, I, don't, I don't like when there's too much luck. You got to put the purity of survival back in. Right. Yeah. Well, you know who I, 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 maybe we can end here, but I, I have to say if there's a legend season, I, I have to imagine that despite the fact that he has already won and he's played five times, I'm sure that Boston Rob would be there. You know, you played your first two seasons with him. 
big part of your story, especially in All Stars and the very emotional oh, yeah. final yeah. tribal speech to him uh, back when it, back when the game was all about relationships and ethics, as opposed to sort of like overlooking that for strategy and saying that that's good gameplay. I'm just would love to know what your relationship was like with Boston Rob after All Stars, what it's like today, if there is a relationship. Yeah, it's neutralized now. But for a while there, I was, you know, okay, wait a minute, man. I brought your future right wife over, <laughs> you know. And I remember what he said on All Stars. He said, Kathy, everybody's coming to me offering me their firstborn child. Oh, my God. I go, what? I said, I just delivered your girlfriend who I think you're going to marry. And he wouldn't have anything to do with me. And and it, it really burned uh you know, it, it burned us. And Lex was really hurt because that was a friendship. We did that out of friendship. Totally. I was thinking it was probably a gameplay, but, you know, Rob and I were really close after Marquesa. We were down in New York for, you know, other seasons, finales. I had him sleep in my hotel room. You know, that's when he didn't have any money. It was young. But, and, and so it was very isolating on All Stars during the finale party. They were off to themselves, but that's all over. They have a beautiful family. You know, they're great people. And so I'm fine with it. It's just, I think if we all came back, I think we might be having so much fun on that show that we might we might forget how to really play. Because, I mean, not forget how to play, but I don't know how cutthroat would get because we might be a little flip about it, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it would be great television. Because even though we might be flip about it and having fun at one point, probably halfway through the show, we're going to get down and dirty and take each other out because I'll take them out. Yeah, you better. <laughs> were you rooting I'll for Rob? Down. Were you rooting for Rob on Winners at War? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. I wanted, I, but the only thing is, I did want, you know, I wanted one of the, you know, old players to do better, right? But uh, so I wasn't really rooting for anybody. Um, you know, at this point with me and Survivor, it's all about having fun with it. Although I would go back with a real vengeance and I have a really good gameplay <laughs> idea. But, you know, when it comes to any bad feelings, they're all gone. You know, we, we were just blessed, blessed to be on that show because it was so much fun. As it was hard, but what a memory, what an experience. It was great. Mm. Well, Kathy, I know you have to go sell real estate. You're yeah. very busy. Um, so yeah. we will let you go. But I have to tell you, this was such a treat. You know, I have been watching Survivor since season one. Season four was always my favorite. I had the t-shirt that I was wearing. I was like 14 years <laughs> old. You know, like I I love so I, I love this. And, and you have always been my favorite player of all time. So this is really oh my God, a dream a to have you statement. on. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, oh, I am so blessed. Anyway, <laughs> seriously, you guys, I love you. I'm so glad I did this. I had no idea who you are. Sorry, I'm in my car. I probably would have been a little bit more attentive to this, but you guys are the bomb. If you're welcome Thank back you. anytime you want. You want to come talk about Survivor 45 when it's on? You've got an open yeah. invitation. Okay, it'll be fun. Let's do it. Let's do I'll it. I'll give Perfect. you all my honest opinion, as you know. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, Kathy. Thank you. All right. See ya. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.
All right, there you have it, Kathy Vavrick O'Brien. She promised to come back for Survivor 45 recap, so I'm going to hold her to it. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Don't forget, you can find us on Instagram at DropYourBuffsPod. You can find us on Twitter at DropBuffsPod. You can find merch. You can find Drop Your Buffs merch or Black Widow Brigade merch in the link in the show notes to this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.